Sakuna Show. Hey guys, we're coming back to Frederick on December 23rd. On December 27th, I will be in Lansdale by myself. On January 10th, we will be at the Irvine Improv. On January 26th, we will be at Off the Cuff in Glendale, Arizona. Check mormoninthemethhead.com to confirm dates because I'm not very good at this. And uh, we have other upcoming stuff on there like Minneapolis and Houston and stuff. So check mormoninthemethhead.com. He is an aging German pop star. She's a single father that works in construction. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. What the fuck? <laughs> if you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessica Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. out of ideas huh we're just hey are those other you're telling other people's stories that's who we are (laughs) which i'm a i'm a dad in construction you're a single father who works in construction tell us about that uh it's what's been uh rough i've had to take a lot of greyhound buses you have never you've not (laughs) you have not taken a single greyhound bus I you took almost one. took one. You almost took one. I took one. You one bought time. tickets for one. <laughs> you bought a t- good. Man, you you have not had it easy in your life. You have, <laughs> you have struggled. You have bought tickets one for a Greyhound I... bus. <laughs> Basically, what you. D- <laughs> All right. Tell the story. Um. Okay. So when we started touring together, I. Uh, had just been losing money mostly on the road because I'm like, well, I have to rent a car and I have to stay in a nice hotel and I have to uh, have all of these comforts. And before I met Jessa, I was saving money any way I could by sleeping with other comics. Uh, like, um, I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I slept at other comics' houses, right? Like I would sleep on someone's couch and uh that's usually just fine right that's, that's, i don't know but jessa was like absolutely not no way in hell we'll never do that so i uh stepped up in life yeah it has been nice but i do uh, get good deals on hotels and the car thing has always been i just don't like not having a car and we've talked about this before everyone else take ubers and stuff which is more expensive by my calculations to just today if i wanted to uber to get a starbucks i could have rented a car for the money it would have taken me to go to starbucks twice which is about what i average in a day so i felt like you thought i wasn't capable of handling situations where i didn't have the best uh accommodations and i felt like i would prove to you that i wasn't because i know i am because i have slept in rat and roast roasted infested (laughs) just roasted peanuts everywhere they took over the apartment (laughs) there were chestnuts on an open fire and that's where i lived Anyway, you're going to prove 
gonna prove that I can do it. That you can do it. So I start renting us. Uh, I got us mega bus tickets from Philly to New York. I don't like not having the immediate option of escaping any situation. So part of the car, the car thing is that. But we took the mega bus and it was great. It was great. It was clean. You got to sleep on it. It had Wi-Fi and plugs for your phones and stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm being such an idiot. I'm driving and I could just do this. And it was nothing. It was like 10 or 20 bucks. So I thought I will just from now on book us bus tickets from city to city and we'll save so much money. And we don't usually ask the people producing the show to pick us up. I'm like, I'll finally do that. I never want to ask anyone to drive me anywhere. So we did this Midwest tour that Jessa put together all by herself and we flew into St. Louis, but then we had other stops on the way. We had to go to Indianapolis and then Cincinnati and then Louisville and Jessa booked us buses the from in between city to city. So uh, we have to leave. We do a show in St. Louis. It's great. We have a great night and they put us up in the fanciest hotel. So Jess is immediately rewarded for for letting go of her standards because we get like a nicer hotel than we've ever had. It's yeah, super it was super downtown, nice. Downtown uh, Hilton, nicer than the the kind we ever get. And they didn't have mega buses though, so I had to do Greyhound. And I was like, well, Greyhound has probably stepped their game up since Mega Bus and these other buses offer all these things. So I got us, the only tickets I could get though, we had to leave at 4.30 in the morning. So I'm like, that's fine. We'll just sleep on this nice bus. It'll be fine. So we wake up super early. We leave the comforts of this nice hotel. Uh, we get uh, us in our in our giant suitcases because we were carrying all of our t-shirts that we're selling on this whole trip. Now, if you've never been to a Greyhound bus terminal, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think you're missing a lot. It's a sad, awful place. It's it, it's it's it feels sad when you walk into it. And four thirty in the morning isn't isn't helping the situation either. Uh, no one no one is happy. Uh, I watched a, a guy get into a fight with a, a caution wet floor sign. <laughs> He just he just got into a fight with it. That's how mad. That's every everyone uh, was upset. We're, the lady check like checking our bags is upset. Uh, the people running the food counter are so upset that they're not there. At the they're, food counter, they're you had just to gone. Wait. Yes. <laughs> there was a woman that walked by with a cart at one point, and she just sprayed what I assume was floral scented Lysol. The entire length of the hallway, she was just walking past and just casually pepper spraying all of us, just gassing all of us. If in you line. can remember the Berkeley police officer that pe- that casually pepper sprayed kids, that's exactly. She just aimed for our eyes and just sprayed everyone in line. And everyone's just coughing and hacking, and that gives me a headache. I have an you have forty headache. people just coughing, in, uh, slow, like it, it just in a in succession, just catches up to you. And you're like, oh no, people are like, we were in the very back of the lines, we're grabbing scarves and wrapping them around our faces, and this woman does not give a shit. No, she has one job, and it's to spray you in the mouth. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's Lysol. I think it's a way to pacify passengers before they put them into pacify a metal can. Pacify passengers while they're waiting for two hours. So when we get there, I'm already 
I couldn't sleep the night before in the hotel and I'm already feeling like this is a huge mistake. So while you were sound asleep, I was Googling how much it would cost to rent a car. And I'm like, we'll just eat the price of the $30 tickets and just rent a car and drive, which is what I should have done in the first place. But her pride, she said, I can't, I have to prove to Aaron that I can ride this bus. I have to prove to Aaron that I can do it. So then in the morning, I told you while you were still super tired that I almost rented a car and I just wanted just if if you would give the tiny shred like how much was it I was gonna be like only $140 and let me tell you why that's a great deal but you just got up and got ready and I was like god damn it so we get we get there when we get there it says that our bus is supposed to leave at 4 30 but it's not leaving till 6 30 or something and I asked the lady at the front desk because we haven't paid for the extra bag yet I asked her is this bus going to be late? Because that's going to be my excuse. I'm going to be like, let's just go back and well, sleep. We have to rent a car. Yeah. yeah. But then she says, no, this bus is already here. And the bus was, in fact, already there, but for some reason still not leaving till 630. So now we are standing in this line. We've paid for an extra bag. So now the grand totals up to 75 bucks or something, which I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I, there's, I don't put a price on not being miserable. So... Finally, in the line right after we get gassed and now the migraines are setting in, I'm like, do you, we should just rent a car. Listen, we got to, because we we got booked on Bob and Tom since I had bought the bus tickets. And I was like, we're going to have to. And then a guy walks up and grabs our bags as we're right. This yeah. And I was like, okay, well, at least we're loading the, the bus up. We're about to leave. Yeah. Let's just go. Oh. And then. Wait, can I talk about this lady in line yeah, standing oh, yeah. in front of us in line? This woman, uh, it, is talking to first us she was like hey if you need to go to the bathroom uh i'll watch your stuff for you the bathroom's right over there and we were like we're good but thank you it was very polite and then she uh then she proceeded to walk up the entire line of people (laughs) just going hey 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 uh i just went to the bathroom it's right (laughs) over there um if anyone else needs to go to the bathroom i will happily watch your bag for you so uh, suspect yes yeah, so to every person in line there's 30 people she just keeps going if anyone needs to go if anyone needs to go i'll watch your bag and i definitely won't take anything also and my bag is not filled with stolen goods she would say she kept telling she was like my bag's really heavy but it's just <laughs> dirty clothes in there i swear it's just clothes there's <laughs> My the the severed limbs of my husband Carl are not in this bag. It's just it's just clothes and Christmas presents for my beloved Carl. I love him so He's much. He's so alive. He's, He's stepping. So... I oh, Carl said to me this morning before I left, while he was still alive, yeah. like he very much is. Uh, and we finally get loaded onto the bus. We have to go through a woman who, sh- who like before, before you get on a Greyhound bus, they take your bags and put it on for you. They spray you in the mouth with pacification <laughs> and Lysol they leave you and, and, here and for and another 40 minutes. Well, and they shout at you first before you can get onto a Greyhound bus. They have to, sh- there's a woman who has to shout at every single passenger. Uh, <laughs> Just no matter what you do, there's some there's some reason to get yelled at. Um, she's like yelling at people for not presenting their tickets, but then Jessa and I presented our tickets too well, uh, and so then she yelled at us for that. And there was a, there was one guy. She was explaining. She was like, "When you get to Indianapolis, <laughs> when you get to Indianapolis, the driver is not going to let you on the bus unless you fix this." And then he said, eh, "And she said, no, 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 don't you, you listen, listen." It's like he didn't even get this reply yet. You have no idea what he's going to say. He opened okay. He opened his mouth and was going to be like, "Well, okay." And she Layman, just, 
Yeah, like she just screamed at him. <laughs> so we get past Screaming Lady. We are the last two people on the bus. There are no seats next to each other. The two front seats, which we are standing there waiting for, are the, are together. There's so. just a suitcase on those two seats, and, an, and a woman who uh, is just eating plates of barbecue <laughs> at, <laughs> at 6 a.m. Uh, kindly informs us. Where did she get? The, I mean, she had that barbecue since Arkansas because there, there was there was no one at the food counter in St. Louis. Where, uh, so she and she it's just like on a plate. <laughs> She's traveling with just cutlery and dishes and making her own barbecue. Like all one of the seats is taken up by her crock pot of barbecue sauce. <laughs> We can't get a fucking seat. She's got gourmet meals. We're not doing Greyhound correctly, I don't think. Anyway, that woman informs us that the suitcase belongs to the driver. And so we're like, okay, well, I guess we'll just wait. I'm sure the driver will let us move the suitcase. Um, And then from the back of the bus come two people walking all the way up to the front. And I think they're going to get off the bus. So I kind of like step out of the way. And they just come take the suitcase and sit down in the seats in front of us. Baller move. Yeah. Uh, We are clearly Greyhound noobs. And they knew it. (laughs) They were like... They walked to the back. They couldn't find two seats together. And they're like, I'll be damned if I let these kids yeah. <laughs> uh, get the last two seats that were the handicap seats with extra leg room, yep. too. There was no way they were letting us take it. So uh, then we kind of just kind of uh, walked down the, the aisle. And now every other row on this bus has just one person sitting in it. And then the other the other seat is open. And we are just trying to like look to see who would we like to sit next to. And suddenly, every the the Lysol sleep uh, <laughs> Lysol spray puts everyone to sleep. Everyone just closes their eyes and puts their head against the window and spreads their leg out onto the other chair. I to think make it's sh- to make it look as uninviting as possible. People do that shit on South. Yeah, West of course. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. No, I got it. Uh, and so we found we found two seats that was like one in front, one behind the other, and we're like, this is it. And we both scooch in next to these. <laughs> dudes who do not want to move their legs for either of us and i i am actually like this seat's more comfortable than i thought it would be there's more leg room than i thought it would be even with this guy Uh, i think i'm about to fall asleep right now and i'll wake up in indianapolis and jess is like i can't do this (laughs) i have to get off this bus and she said if i can get our luggage let's rent a car and i said i think i said nothing i don't think i said anything this whole morning <laughs> i just stayed qu- i was so tired and i was just like eh, whatever whatever like if you if you, when you were hoping that i would say something when i woke up about like yeah sure you it, could, it was really the opposite like you could have said anything to me and yeah. i would have just i was so tired i would have gone along with it you'd be like listen i rented uh, a tandem bicycle <laughs> and i'd have been like oh, okay yeah sure just uh, i guess i'll go i guess i'll go <gasps> I, the guy that I was sitting next to hated me. His leg was like, like all the way into my seat and he did not move at all. And I tried to smile at him and he made me feel very, he was like, no, bitch, don't you go sit literally anywhere else. And I, there is nowhere else, man. This is it. So I just leaned forward and was like, let's just rent a car. I also, I know I haven't slept. I know I'm just, I know I'm not going to be able to sleep and that I'm going to be crazy by the time we get to Indianapolis. And we were just like record podcasts with people and shit. 
And also there was a mix up with our Airbnb. So now we're going to be in an Airbnb with other people. And so it just was like leaving one uncomfortable situation to another uncomfortable situation. And I was like, we could just spend the day in that Hilton, rent a car. It would just be us there. And then we go have our uncomfortable sleepover at some dude's house. And I'm like, all right, go get those, go get those bags then. So I jump up and I run to the front of the bus and they lock you in the fucking bus. We're locked inside. We are parked in this bus and we are locked in it so i look also i'm wearing a scarf i'm usually someone who's just always wearing a sweatshirt um but i was like she's got a heavy up. black pea coat on I've she's got, got a, a nice pea coat. pea coat she's got a red scarf she is the fanciest person on the greyhound and my hair just stays by curled. a mile my hair just stays curled with baking soda in it for days so at three o'clock in the morning i look like the can i see your manager white i just look off like I look like a huge bitch when in fact I am just a spaz so I'm trying to get off the bus I turn around to barbecue lady and I was like do you know how to get off this bus and she said she has to open it and in my head I'm just like that's you've locked me on a vehicle what so I get back and I go sit down and I'm starting to get very anxious and I'm gonna make an idiot out of myself so I don't think I've told the entire uh story but I'm blind I have face blindness because I burnt my macula staring at the sun. So, it's not the same thing as face blindness. Like face yeah. blindness is like a sight, but like yeah. you have you have spots of blindness that line up where people's faces should be. It's spots of blindness, but because my macula is burned, I don't see fine details. So I think my face, my mind just makes up what people's faces look like, and it's always different, and it's very complicated. The mean woman that yelled at us before we got on the bus was the bus driver, and I had kind of deduced it by that point that that's I who she was. Yet. I didn't know. She then, she gets onto the bus. She comes and opens the door. Stands up in the stairwell and says, who moved my bag? And then starts to have a confrontation with the people who moved her bag. I have the information that that bag belonged to the driver. So I should have known that that was the driver, but I'm anxious at this point. So I'm just wigging out. So I run to like the front a, of the bus. Like one of Jess's childhood pet birds. She saw an open <laughs> door and just barrel. She just pushed. I run. This woman's heavy set. So I, I, put, I have to push. I have to squeeze her, who I think is a passenger at this point. I squeeze her up against the thing to get past her so that I can go find her. So now I, I run off the bus, at which point Aaron is trapped on the bus with all these people talking shit about me. Yeah, I'm not really trapped. I'm just still chilling there uh <laughs> i'm trying to, i'm trying to keep it cool while everyone uh starts talking shit about this uppity white lady the the driver's like what the hell is she doing what what's she looking for and someone's like i think oh. she she wants her bag and she wants her bag what and i know the answers to all the questions that they're asking <laughs> but i am not about to volunteer i don't want to be in the middle of this i just have a hat on and sunglasses on and i'm just sitting with my with my hands like folded just waiting patiently i'm like i i too would like the bus to start i don't know what's what's her deal oh, um God. so someone's like uh she couldn't sit next to her boyfriend so now she's like has a problem or something and uh she uh like this bus is two hours late for yeah. no for no apparent reason uh it's not like a plane that has to be de-iced the, uh, as far as we can tell is that just didn't have enough lysol spray on it <laughs> And we just waited for two hours, but now the bus driver is making this like, this is all Jess's fault. 
She's like, well, we could get started if this lady would stop running around in circles around the dark parking lot, which is exactly what Jessa was doing. She could look out the window and just see this blonde woman in a bright red scarf going, "Uh, is there a manager anywhere? Who has the key? I just need my bag. And um, oh, and also, also the the two people uh, got scolded as soon as you left. The the bus driver was like, "It's really disrespectful that you would move my stuff." It's like, where were they supposed to sit? What do you mean? But so so they were trying to now get on her her good side by bashing you. Yeah, and it's like you stole our seats, you ass. They were the one. They were the ones like she couldn't sit next to her boyfriend, so now she's upset. Yeah, Jessa finally comes back to the bus. I forgot to tell you this part. Hold on, as I'm doing laps around the parking lot trying to find the bus driver, I do find a guy in a in a yellow vest, and I was like, "Are you able to get my bags off the bus?" And he said, no, you got to ask the driver for that. And I was like, all right, I'm trying to find her. And he was like, you got to ask the driver for that. And I was like, yeah, I got it. I don't know where she is. And he's like, you got to ask the driver for that. And he's trying to walk now in retrospect. He's trying to walk me back to the bus. And I'm like, I know, idiot. She's yeah. not on the bus. And like in my head. And, he and was you're like, like, you're not putting me back on that yeah. bus. <laughs> I have decided to rent a car and I will not be deterred. Now, point me in the direction of this driver. Obstinate Jessa. So So every lap around the the parking lot, this lady leans further down because she's still standing in the stairwell of the bus. And she leans further down, and every time I make eye contact with her and look past her at the driver's seat, and it's just like, God damn it. Where is this bus driver? I assume that this is still the passenger arguing with the people over the suitcase thing. So finally, she leans down and goes, hey, what can I help you with? And I recognize the voice. And I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, "Uh, I'm going to miss an appointment. I just need to get my bags off the bus. Also, our bags weigh like so much because we have so many. We packed. packed So so now she's having to climb into the back. No, hold on. This you you, you, a very key statement you made is you when you came back to the stairwell, you said so that everyone on the bus could hear. You were like, here's the thing. We're leaving too late. We have to be in Indianapolis. We're going to have to rent a car. Yeah. What you (laughs) said. Which is important because then when the woman goes to then dig out, because our bags were also the first ones on the bus. That was when that guy came up and grabbed our bags. They were the first bags to be put on the bus, um, and they are just closed. We swear. Um, uh, so she has to dig through like other uh, people's husbands' body parts to get to our seventy-pound bags. Meanwhile, everyone on the bus is still talking shit about Jessa. More people are joining in and saying things like, bitch, if you could rent a car, why were you on the bus? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, what the hell? Why can't we just leave here? And I felt like it was not the time to try to start a conversation about how the man is the enemy and he tries to turn us against each other. Uh, but uh, yeah. I, I felt like it was ridiculous that that for no reason at all, the bus left two hours late. But now everyone's like, we can hate this lady. <laughs> yeah. And it was like 15. This whole thing was like 15 minutes. But so when she opens up the thing for the suitcases, I see a red suitcase and with absolute confidence. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no, Jess, I didn't know this part. I grabbed the suitcase and I'm like, I slide it out. And I'm like, this is one. And she was like, 
uh, what's the name on it? Like, she's not just gonna let me take it. Thank God. And I was like, Channer. And she said, uh, that's not it. And I was like, okay, read. Gonna try different She said, no. And I was like, it might be Woodall. And she was like, what is your name? <laughs> you are the biggest spaz. You're the, hu- the hugest. I should have gotten off the bus, but I was still just tired and uh, uh, and I'm just sitting there. And then, uh, well, then you were locked in with that plastic thing because I ran. I was like, Aaron, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm still locked in. We have to wait for the driver. Uh, you might have met her. She's, She's right behind you and very upset. <laughs> and Jessa also doesn't want to just tell the woman, uh, uh, sorry, like, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> she doesn't want to sound like. Yeah, the, the white person who's like, uh, y'all look alike. I didn't realize. There's, yeah, there's no good way to say that. Because when she yelled at me, I was like, in my head, super loud, was like, oh my God, you're the driver. But I can never tell anyone that because it's offensive to everyone. But I, like, I, it's. Especially in this context. It's yeah, not going to look context, It's not a good I look. I look awful in this. There's just, I just, there's no, there's nothing I can say to make this look any different. So then I'm just almost flailing further into it. So uh, the driver finally comes to let me off. I get up and I try to make it seem like, you know, this bitch girlfriend. Just, <laughs> I guess I just I have to. I where she, where she go? Oh no! I think I said I think I said that out loud. Uh, oh, I said did you? no. I said uh, where she goes, I go. Is what I oh. said out loud. <laughs> they said something, and I was like, uh, I said that to the driver. I, yeah. I, I was at the plastic thing, and I was like, where she goes, I go. Please let me off. <laughs> and the last thing was barbecue plate lady said. Can I ride with y'all to Indianapolis? <laughs> <laughs> to which I said nothing. <laughs> I stepped down and just left. And I'm sure oh. that they that they spoke the, about us for a while. Oh my god! Yeah, fuck. So um, then we uh, go back to our our Hilton. I had such a good day. A we great, got we got to we, do we, uh, executive breakfast. Uh, where we then were... Jeez, we do sound uppity. We're like, we can't ride this Greyhound bus. Sorry, we got we had diamond. <laughs> I don't know if you know who we are. We're diamond <laughs> status at Hilton. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and have a, a personal chef make me some sausage. <laughs> Bring me orange juice in a champagne glass. We got to the executive breakfast and the old white dudes hated they, they yeah. with us. They hated us so much. And we're like, where people? do we belong? They, we are we are pariahs everywhere. I we thought go. I caught one of them trying to tell on us. Uh, yeah, they were like, "Look, these people smell like a greyhound. <laughs> uh, they are clearly not supposed to be in our special breakfast this, room." This woman took just, just took eleven pieces of bacon. <laughs> they he, are. You checked the beer fridge. I did. Seven well, they were, there was a beer fridge in this breakfast room. It is locked. Up. You have to talk to the driver uh, <laughs> to get the beer. But uh, it was just sitting there. I thought I was worth checking. I wanted to <sighs> see. I wasn't really going to drink. I don't like beer, but I wanted to see if it was open. Yeah. But instead, I do make it seem. That was uh, my turn to yeah. see. It was spazzy. Uh, we were just reading horoscope stuff, and uh, Jess has said prone to accidents. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, she is. He breathes into the microphone. She swallows into the microphone. <laughs> You're listening to the disgusting bodily sounds of the Mormon and the meth head. 
Don't we both swallow into the microphone? Uh, just is, uh, I'm sure we both swallow. Uh, I think <laughs> one of us swallows <laughs> much more loudly and frequently than oh. the other. But one of us doesn't wear dentures. So it, I just burped into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a swig of Pepsi before we started and it came back to, to bite me in the ass at the most inopportune time. Uh, listen, uh. we're equally disgusting and we apologize for it. For some reason, you guys keep listening to us. <laughs> it's so sweet of you to do I it. it. It's so sweet of you to do it. So this time... We actually got on a bus and stayed on it, and uh, it uh, wasn't that bad. We got to sit next to each other. It was wonderful. Now we're in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> it's inside the house. <laughs> Just Dude, you went outside, did you eat a cat? (laughs) My stomach growls so loud. It doesn't growl loud when I'm by myself, but if anyone else is around, it's so loud. If I'm getting my eyebrows done, it's ridiculous. Her stomach sounds like a guard dog. (laughs) Like, that that voice, it's... (laughs) Has it ever done it on stage? It's probably too much. It's too much noise, I think, to know. But anytime it's quiet, my stomach's like, here's my chance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, A fan and fake wife of mine uh, sent us a link to an article. There's a few years old. I actually remember reading this article when it came out a few years ago. Uh, It was about why women aren't funny. Did you read it? I read some of his very long, which you okay. did warn me about. I will recap for you. Basically, it uh, reviews a lot of uh, studies that have been done recently about the differences in humor between men and women. And here's basically the sum of it as I remember. Comedy is subjective. Comedy is always going to be subjective, and there are people that uh, will find some comic funny and another comic funny. But on a whole, we as Americans, when surveyed, find men funnier than women, and that's both men and women. In fact, women tend to find men to be funnier that, like you know, it, it skews uh, it skews towards men on both ways. Both for both genders, I mean, Uh, but what the article really gets into is like that women from birth for since maybe ever have uh, been taught that it is not useful for them to be funny. For men, it is a much more uh, productive trait to have because... Women are attracted to funny. 
it like tells them things about this partner. It's like, okay, he is smart. He can think for himself. This is, he is clever and blah, blah, blah. Uh, men aren't looking for that in women. <laughs> men don't, or men, like if you have, if you display that trait as a woman, you are less likely to find a partner. And uh, so women for generations and generations, maybe since the beginning of time, have never bothered to learn to be funny because like it's a risk it's a risk that offers very little reward if you are female because nobody wants to make children with you if you think for yourself and think outside the box and are clever so uh like the people that say uh man men are funnier than women aren't necessarily wrong but like you just you should recognize that it's still coming from a uh it's still because of the patriarchy essentially like even if you're saying uh they're just uh it's like you've been trained to think that that makes sense i uh don't forget the louisville uh helicopter base that we're right next door let's go see it I think so many of these things have shifted very recently. Like with, with this generation, a lot of these things are changing rapidly. But I would definitely say in my in in my twenties this resonates that there there was not uh that it was off putting to men for women to be funny or laugh. I mean it's something that I carried a lot of shame for like a lot of my having to accept myself was having to accept my personality and that you could be funny and that i could be funny was and that, think the for church myself. thing right dusty yeah but it was kind of it's it's so hard to separate now but it kind of was a, a whole societal thing because religion was still leading the overall perception of reality there was there was still this battle between sex cells and and uh the religious uh overlords but the, it, it, what was considered good and right was still basically religion christianity whatever and um the perception of women was definitely it was vulgar it was off-putting it was not attractive for a woman to be loud for her to be funny for her to be one of the guys now you get every fucking basic bitch in the world talking about how she's a she's a dude girl or whatever the fuck and it's like the cool girl speech from gone girl yeah and it's like nobody gives a shit now i definitely was one of those but i had like i had to be one of those i didn't i i literally didn't fit in with the women that I was uh, exposed to because those women fit in with what people expected them to be. Like they were good and I was bad. Me hanging out with the dudes was like, cause I was uh, slightly outcasted, mm-hmm. you know? So I was the gross friend in any, in any like female friendship. And I didn't like it about myself. I didn't uh, with other girls. You were the gross friend. Yeah. Here's my gross friend, Jessa. You know what I mean? Just like the, uh, if we went out, I, 
you hear me talk about like I was on YouTube. Dudes are like, you could tell she was really hot. And it's I wasn't. I was. I didn't know I was. If I was, I didn't know I was. There's a few pictures from when I first got clean where I had like a really good couple months. But (laughs) I really wasn't. I didn't when I was very young. I've seen pictures of you uh, in the uh, the giant dress of like the church sketch. Yeah, that whole thing was. I got rebuked. Do you guys say rebuked in Mormonism? What would we say? We were, rebuked is such a strong word. I don't think we would say that. It says that in like Doctrine and Covenants or something. What would we say? Like if your pastor had to tell you to get your shit together, you got rebuked. Your husband could rebuke you. But I got rebuked on multiple occasions for being too frumpy, for being uh, gross, not taking care of Not being pretty enough. Not being pretty enough. Wearing my hair up in a messy... I had so much hair. I had just just mountains of hair that I would wear up in a messy bun. And it was like, put your hair down. Put some makeup on. Look, wear, wear heels. And you see me now, I'll do anything. To, I refuse to wear heels. I'm not your fucking yeah. doll. Now you're getting rebuked by dudes in YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah, that I used to, uh, that I've just now started being gross. Just and that stay I used get to be rebuked. very hot. One thing I thought was interesting, both men and women at the top of their list of qualities that they are searching for in a mate and a in a partner is sense of humor both men and women have it have it yeah have it at the top i want a woman who has a sense of humor i want a man with a sense of a good sense of humor um but they mean two different things a a woman a woman wants a man uh who tells jokes and a man wants a woman who will laugh, laugh at, at his, his jokes. jokes. Not to so he'll say he'll say I want someone with a good sense of humor. But what he means is I want someone who thinks I have a good sense of humor. Do you think this is true, like with your generation? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. I think I'm a big believer in societal influence. I think that uh, we've. I mean, my generation. I meant the. I'm barely a millennial you know i was born in 86 i feel like i grew up uh watching a a slew of sitcoms that were all just the about the man and he had a supporting wife uh what's her name what's her name uh rashida jones is apparently working on a new show about sitcom wives that's uh called kevin can fuck himself oh that's fucking good <laughs> and uh if they could get kevin james to play the like oh i hope that they can do that man. oh that is fantastic he, but it like i think that uh like i remember rebelling against those ideas like why i remember being upset at sitcoms that i watched as a kid like according to jim i was hated watching it and uh and George Lopez show and you know stuff where I just I was always I guess I always had a thing for moms but I would always be like how how is this hot this hot woman married to Jim Belushi I don't get it right. I don't understand it um, I mean it's like he it's funny that he doesn't clean up and I was always like I could clean up you know I was always like fighting against this shit and I was like I don't like it but I mean. There's still a million messages, even me, who I think of my, I like, at least I like to think of myself as someone who pushes against the norm. I still uh, got hundreds of messages uh, embedded into my programming about 
that. I think I, uh, not to be the, the not all men guy, but I, you know, that I like women that are funny and that's right. a big deal to me. But I, I mean, look at, look at YouTube comments everywhere. Look, I mean, just in the show at St. Louis, I walked in, <laughs> I stepped outside of this uh, bar to go do push-ups, which is what I do right before I go on stage. Jess is on stage. She's killing. And I go outside to do push-ups and there's, there's some workers who uh, are coming in and out of like the kitchen door and then back into the restaurant door. And, uh, I hear these guys, I like, I'm going back inside. I've, uh, done all 25 of my pushups. <laughs> I'm ready to go. And as I'm got my hand on the door, I can hear this dude inside being like, I just don't like female comedians. Okay. I don't like them. I don't like any of them. And I was like, Oh, I cannot wait to walk in on this dude and be like, really? None of them. Hmm. Not even the one that's performing right now, huh? Huh? You wanna, you know, like I was ready to embarrass this guy. Right. So I opened the door and I realized I have o not opened the door back into our restaurant, like where we're performing. I am just standing in the middle of a kitchen uh, <laughs> that I should not be in. And then suddenly all the wind is taken out of my. I was like ready to come in here and be like, what's up, dude? You wanna say that to my face? And instead I was like, oh, I'm sorry, it's the wrong room. Uh, uh, my bad, I'll let you <laughs> You guys get back to those chicken tenders you're frying or whatever. Anyway, I hear comments like that all the time. All the time about how women aren't funny. So yeah, I think it's true for my generation. How long did that answer take? Seven and a half minutes? <laughs>
women that uh and i think it'll be way different for for him when when he grows up i not to be too cynical i think a lot of the progress that we see in this generation is performative no 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 i was gonna say is female driven it's like we're seeing progress because women are speaking up more and more right and i think there's definitely guys like me that are listening and guys that are like me that are nodding along but i still think that there's tons of guys who when no one's around uh the deep fryer they then can quietly confide to each other that they don't think women are funny yeah and i think that it, i think the idea of like this of a like evolutionarily sex driven that like i think sex is such a huge part of everything we do and we don't always think about it. at least i didn't because i was never allowed to think about sex and now i'm so much more in tune with that and so reading these studies that were connecting back to like evolutionary traits and thinking about like why we want to mate with pe- pe- certain people i feel like when 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 female comedians exploded uh in the last uh decade or two um the comedy fans are watching for comedy and uh they go, they they watch Sarah Silverman and they're like, oh, she's I'm not laughing as much. She sucks, and they don't know that really what's dictating their opinion of what's funny is uh, some some uh, desire to mate with a woman who will shut up, you yeah. know, and like they don't think about that, but there's something in their DNA that's like uh, she's that like that's really putting them off from this woman who talks for a living, you know? Right. Uh, but like when any number of their male idols gets up there and says something filthy, that seems normal. Like what men talk about their genitals and it's, and it's funny. Women talk about their genitals and it's like, God, does every female comic have, have to talk, talk about, about her pussy? Yeah. I was just talking to on another person's podcast about the benefits of starting at BYU. This is a subject change. Uh, st- benefits of starting at BYU and starting squeaky clean uh, was like, just think and pause for a moment. If no comic was allowed to tell jokes about their genitals for their first five years. Like you had to prove that you were good at comedy before you were even allowed to write a joke about your genitals. Think about how much nicer every single open mic and comedy club in this world would be. Because we are all, both genders, obsessed with our genitals. Something that we talk about and think about a lot. And so as comics, you get up, like, talk to any any comic. Like, what was the first joke that you wrote? And uh, what would you say is, would be the percentage, Jessa, that would say it was a, it was a joke about masturbation? Very high percentage. Over fifty percent? Absolutely. Uh, I would agree. I would. I would put it near fifty percent. They were one of, like, if not the very first joke, but one of, like their first set had something about masturbation in it. Yeah. <sighs> my God, my God! To some some open micer posted some stand up shot of himself, uh, saying, "You know who Elizabeth Smart is." Mm-hmm. Elizabeth uh, Smart, for those that don't know, is a uh, a Mormon girl in Utah that got kidnapped uh, when she was a kid. Oh, I didn't really. She was Mormon. 
Yeah, yeah. They got kidnapped. She got kidnapped and then was uh, found later, like a year or so later. She lived with this uh, this crazy homeless dude and his crazy homeless wife in like some camp in the mountains somewhere. I don't know. Uh, and then she was able to get out and escape. She's an incredible survivor and has been like a name that always comes up in the Utah news. And, uh, I just, I think it's just kind of hard to be her and have like, she yeah. had this life in the spotlight because of the most traumatic thing that any of us could ever think of. And everyone knows her for that. And she's like, still tried to go on and like have a life. She talks about, uh, she like advocates for, uh, sexual assault survivors and stuff like that. She's been in the news because, uh, the crazy homeless woman got released from prison and she was like, Fuck that. She should not be out of prison. She made some statement like that. Yeah. But then she's had another baby. She had a baby. And because it's Utah and because she's like a Utah celebrity like that hits the news. It's like Elizabeth Smart has uh, her third child. This dumbass open micer says, uh, this is the stand-up shot. He says, uh, Elizabeth Smart's in the news. I guess Elizabeth Smart's in the news again for having her, her third child which I guess means she's been fucked at least four times in her life. And I was like, what? Fuck you, man. The fuck? Fuck you, edgelord. Can we just shut up? God. Think just... about what your joke means. Jokes mean something. God. What are you saying? What are you saying in that joke? You dumbass. Oh, I was so mad. Like, I... I, I just feel People for her. People don't know the difference between pushing an envelope that has a purpose of pushing an envelope and just crossing the line for no no point. Nobody feels yeah. good after this. You haven't, uh, this isn't taboo, this is gross. You're fucking gross. Yeah, some comics too, like, there are, there's a, I'm not gonna say that the, Are there good are there good groans and bad groans? If you tell if you deliver a joke in front of a, an audience, an audience groans. Uh, are there I, good ones? Uh, I think so. I guess I'm supposed to be learning that because uh, some of my jokes get groans, and I will freak out and just go tell mom jokes after that, and then come to find out like we were having fun. Like you wrote a joke that made us groan, but it's all like autobiographical stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but when you like when someone tells a joke and it's like, uh, and then Anne Frank got r raped, uh, and everyone's like, it just makes everyone feel bad. They let you know and they go, ugh. And there's some comics that think don't that's their tell goal. Tell jokes about other people's rape. That's I don't know what's <laughs> so fucking hard about that. Yeah, if you're not the victim of rape, don't tell rape jokes. Yeah, that's that's what his your joke is saying, man. Your joke is about. A what child, was she, 14, she a was child. Yeah, a child who got kidnapped and raped. And uh, now, no matter what she does, is always still in the public eye, even when. So here she is giving birth to a perfectly innocent, beautiful child that and you've now like taken the birth of that child and still made it about its mother's rape. For likes on Facebook, which I hope for, you got for, none of. For for oh yeah, for two whole likes on Facebook. Yeah, good. for two. Eat a dick. <sighs> yeah, that makes me mad. Makes me very very mad. There's, uh, I think that's a great rule in the in the 
rape debate like the jo- like can we joke about it make a make a graph is it your rape no the no then you're no, not you allowed to make jokes about rape is it your rape yes okay then you're free to tell your story mm. is it funny should be in there somewhere too is yes. it funny yes is it your rape no you're burnt you're burnt you don't get yeah. to talk about rape you don't get you don't want us to talk about our vaginas you stop talking about rape this is my vagina i'll talk about it if i want i don't but uh yeah, I don't. What's so fucking? I hate edge lords. I don't. Um, I like edgy comedy, like real, actual edgy comedy. Comedy that makes you say like, "Holy shit!" But not people that don't have that gift, who then are just trying to say something awful because yeah. they're trying to emulate someone who knows how to deliver that kind of comedy. I think Anthony Jeselnik's uh, thoughts and prayers. He really explains why he does edgelord shit like he talks about how he tweets out jokes about uh disasters on the day of the disaster yeah and uh he gets a lot of people get really mad at him for it but he explains why he does it and uh what's he say he says he's he wants to upset and he wants to uh highlight and parody the people who on these days are trying to make it about them okay. he says he said like like the opposite of what mr was it mr rogers mom mr rogers mom was like when you see disasters uh look around for the people that are helping there are always people helping and you know have you heard that quote uh-uh. i think it's mr rogers mom told him that uh Jesselnik is like kind of the 2018 version of that it's like anytime there's a disaster that strikes look around there are people that are trying to make it about them (laughs) (laughs) there are always people trying to put themselves at the center of something absolutely like they're like putting uh you like the french flag over top of your face right it is Kind of, I could see the point, like how, like you know, this does seem like there's there's a point of solidarity. solidarity yeah. There's a point of of bringing um, a spotlight to this issue or something, but it's your face still, and it's just about like uh, making sure you are still at the middle of whatever today's debate is, right? And so Jesselnik says, like, let's not forget how this has affected me. When people post long things, when when David Bowie dies, and that's just all about how they felt, uh, like when David Bowie died, and how what David Bowie meant to them, and this and that and that. I, not that I don't think that you can have a relationship with David Bowie, and like it's good for you to vent your feelings or what. I'm not like Facebook is for us to talk about us, right? But just recognize that you are talking about yourself as much as you are talking about David Bowie. And so when there's uh, bodies in the street and people are worried about their own clout score and how many likes and retweets they're getting, like there's, it is something sick there. And Jesselnik likes to uh, get those people upset and uh, likes to point out all this shit. So he always... Uh, post jokes of it like he was talking in that special i believe he tells he he retells the jokes that he tweeted out like the day of the boston marathon uh 
the day of the Boston Marathon bombing and stuff. But so I, I think there are uh, there are edgy comedians that I enjoy, and there's certainly 9/11 memes that I really enjoy, uh, right? And that 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 can be funny. So I I feel like I sh- I can't just say you you know don't make any edgy jokes. Uh, I I don't know why death and murder is easier to laugh at than uh, child rape, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're desensitized maybe to death and murder from movies and TV. Uh, it feels more anonymous. I don't know, but just... Um, I mean, there's something... There's no... Like, the formula to the to the Elizabeth Smart joke is awful. Yeah, it's I a, mean, that's... been done a, a million bad, times. It's a bad joke. It's yeah, a bad there's joke. there's nothing good about it. And it's, all, like, it's like you've been fucked at least four times. Like, there's nothing good about that joke. Right. There's nothing... This is... Uh, again, he's uh, a, a new, young comic with very little experience. I, I, I think... It's not like you can't tell off, like, jokes about awful subjects, but it's like you need so much more work, man, before you can attempt to tackle something like that I think that's a good point about Jesselneck okay the the rules that I want to give about jokes because that's a good point is if you are an open micer just don't make jokes about rape unless you got raped I there's I've never seen anything Jesselneck has made a joke about that I got offended by because he's an an excellent joke writer so he because that's the number one thing make it funny if you're going to talk about something that is risky you better be funny and that format is not funny so now he it's just one not album, funny and offensive he has an album where he talks about telling jokes about suicide in a town that had been plagued by teen suicides and like he gets there and he finds out like all this stuff about the town and uh and he just refuses to stop and he keeps doing the jokes anyway and stuff he talks a lot about this kind of things and yeah i don't know i guess there's just there aren't hard and fast rules you can't i so i you can't just come down and be like you can't do jokes about this because yeah sometimes you can but it's just you you were always running the risk and you, you just can't then like feign um surprise when uh your bullshit edgelord uh, material about rape doesn't go over well, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, I guess it's because of PC culture." Yeah, no, it's because you don't know how to write a good joke. Comedy. I think you're ruining comedy. <laughs> That's true. No, I, I don't want to uh, police words. Do you know what I'm thinking about right now? What that message that we got? We got a message from someone, and I would love to, and I want to address it. So well, we took it seriously. They said something that has been on my mind more and more lately listening to you guys. Something that bothered him was that Jessa and I were too black and white and very binary in our opinions. It's this way or, or, or that way, and there's no middle ground. And me and Jessa both sat there uh, puzzling uh, till our puzzlers were sore. I've been reading The Grinch to Ethan. He loves I was going to say, what? Puzzled until our puzzlers My were puzzler's sore. puzzlers fine. We uh, think the opposite of that. 
we think that we kind of like fall all over ourselves to always point out the other uh, point of view. Like even just now in this comedy thing, we started talking about like, uh, like don't do jokes like this and then pointed out all the instances of jokes that we do like like this and then sat there confused for a second and tried to figure out in our own hearts like what is it? Where is our line? Do we have a line? What should we say? Like I think that Jessa and I are pretty uh, – inquisitive people and like we like to figure out stuff and we keep an open mind to everything so like i think the way that that jessa talked about addiction the way i talked about mormons the way that we talk about comedy the way that we talk about all these uh difficult subjects i we want to think that we are totally open-minded but is there anyone else out there that that like because i'm honestly like you know because he didn't give any uh examples and so i'm wondering if there's there are subjects out there that jessa and i take for granted that we are just like glossing over with just and just bulldozing through with our own opinions on it uh, that like is there if you guys think that we are binary and black and white um will you tell me <laughs> I want I because I don't that's not the kind of person that I want to be. I want I, I want to be someone who is gray. <laughs> I love having my mind changed about things. I consider myself to be uh, pretty open minded. We throw away a lot of podcasts and a lot of those podcasts, some are boring. That's why we throw them away. But we throw away a lot because for whatever reason, we're triggered on something else or just having an aggressive day or whatever sometimes we'll take a hard stance on something and we don't like the way it feels like we speak in absolutes and and i think uh we are nuanced people people who see the nuance i feel like we've done several episodes uh on the virtues of nuance in in several subjects i think we spend a lot of time defining things or trying to define things and i think that that could be seen as black and white the addiction episode we got a lot of feedback on do you want to take a minute to address some of that really positive feedback that you got the really positive it was it was largely positive she and was thank so you very scared much. guys this has been the scariest episode for a while and uh we each have our own episodes that freak us out and this was jess's and like the other person always knows it's going to be okay, but then the person who's worried just feels like, shut up. Like, you don't, you know, it's so yeah. easy for you to say that. Right. So there's nothing I can say where I'm like, Jessa, people, it's going to be fine. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Uh, and then uh, all the messages started rolling in for Jessa, and it was, uh, it made me real happy to see you uh, read them and get happy and like feel better. It was, it great. was, uh, it was great. There are a lot of people in the same position, turns out, a lot of people who got what they needed out of 12 step recovery and had gone on in varying levels of their own personal version of recovery the message that we got about black and white and not nuance did address that and kind of defining addict and i guess to clarify on that my concern was my relationship with people who were still in 12-step meetings i understand that i can define addict however i would like my concern was the effect it was going to have on the relationship with me and people who are in 12-step who define addict as this, who define sobriety as abstinence. 
and where my place with them is. So my own personal, my entire life is me defining things however I want. But I also recognize that I live in a world where I interact with people and I try to meet people where where they are at. And I speak the language that they speak and use the definitions that they use when relating to them, especially about something like this. So that episode wasn't really about my place with anyone other than people in that version of recovery. Because people who are who are normies or whatever, like your average person just thinks I'm sober. Because the, the, the few times a year I drop acid, like that doesn't make a difference to them. I don't drink when we're at the bar. I don't smoke pot when everyone else is smoking pot outside. Like I'm sober by their definition. And uh, they've never seen me off the rails. So... I'm fine by all of their definition. It's the people in the 12 step recovery who I built relationships with and, and who I've done a lot of shows for and everything else like that episode was really about how my version of recovery, how it would affect my relationships with them or how they saw me or whether or not I would be a negative influence on the type of recovery that's best for them. And so I, the black and white in that episode was really me relating to people, you know what I mean? Cause your, your definition of you being a Mormon still is fine when you're talking to non Mormons, Mm -hmm. they're fine with it. Yeah. They don't, it's not their thing, but you tell, you tell current Mormons that you're still a Mormon because it's a culture that you grew up in and that's an identity that you have and it's not okay. It's offensive, but that's not your black and white. That's their black and white. Yeah. Uh, Jessa, another another harsh subject change. Okay. <laughs> How many times a week or day? I don't know. You tell me what's the best measurement. How often do you masturbate on average? I masturbate a lot. Yeah, but do you have a number for how many times a day? Or Probably, how many times a week? Da- I mean, definitely daily. Once used to be like five, like I used to get like five times a day. And then I realized it was having an adverse effect. All the orgasms were having an adverse effect on my day. I'd say I, I masturbate twice a day. Uh, at least, I don't know. I just did a three day stretch where I didn't masturbate at all. And I was like, Whoa, that's nuts. I can't believe I've gone three whole days without, without doing it one time. But I think that I probably masturbate, uh, twice every day but then there are days when like uh i'll masturbate just like if i'm doing if i'm doing nothing i'll just i end up masturbating a lot uh, it doesn't make more. you like tired or that's uh all right so this is this is the real stuff that i want to get into i want to talk about masturbating when i'm sad like uh <laughs> my whole i started masturbating when i was like 11 or 12 and uh just only felt shame for it you know and just always had shame for it because i knew that it was wrong and i also thought of myself as an addict i thought of myself that whole time everything that they told me because there's so much stuff in mormonism about how pornography is an addiction and uh i think i've probably talked enough on the podcast about how i don't agree with that anymore right I think that fight the new drug is so dumb. I think that fight the new drug is just uh, 
it's just bullshit. I, 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 it's I hate so it. ridiculous. I, I, it is. It's just. It's just another way to uh, slut shame and shame sex and shame and like all this. Like it's another way to not have to confront weird things about your sexuality. That you, you know, it's just. It's just. I think fight the new drug is completely unhealthy. I don't like it at all. But I believed I was an addict, and I thought of myself like I identified with addicts in movies. And like when someone would relapse in a movie, I was like, I know what that's like because I oh, relapsed, fuck. you know, but like that's, it was real serious yeah. for me. Right. And so I think I'm only now starting to think about masturbation outside of a shameful addiction type thing. And I am like there I'm like, okay, sometimes you can like masturbating is fun. That's great. Just do it. But I do think I would be, um, dishonest if I was just acting like it was all like I do think that there are some things in my habits that are worth investigating I do think that I masturbate when I am sad I do think that I ma- I masturbate when I'm stressed as well like if I when I'm real stressed if I'm worried about a show and I can't get my set right or something I just I start getting horny and I just want to come and then uh, after I come, I write out my set. Like I, I'm like, I'm, I feel much better. I feel much more in power. And I'm like, whoo, yeah, I'm ready to go. There's that. Then there's also like, I'm really sad. And if I get like into a fight with you or something, right. I want to, I want to sad masturbate, but I don't, I don't come and feel better afterwards. I come and just and lay in bed and then look up more porn and then and then come again and then come again and then come. I'll just keep going until I go to sleep, you know. Uh, and uh, I don't have anyone to talk to about these thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it is so a I'm release. Make all of you listen. It is them. a release for anxiety. Would you say? Absolutely. And not for sadness. What do you well no, what do you mean? Well you're saying when you're sad you do it and it doesn't it doesn't help. You just start compulsively doing it. Like it doesn't it to... helps for a second. Like uh I I do it because the the uh the fantasy feels good, feels like an escape, but then it's as soon as it's over, you sit in that um in that sticky shame. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I kind of like that. I think that I, I think that probably comes from an entire adolescence of, of that's the only reaction I had to jerking off. It was always, it was always followed by this shame cycle, which is what, when they compare it to like the addiction cycle, it's really just shame. It's not, it's nothing to do with porn. You could replace porn with whatever you're right. ashamed Anything of you and that you'll be in they that shouldn't same, be doing. you'll be in that same cycle, you know? Right. But I think that there, when I am sad, I tend to hate myself because whatever it is, no matter if it's my fault or not, like I think that like I am to blame. And when I start to feel sorry for myself, I will then uh, masturbate. And like, because, because it feels gross and that does not feel like, uh, these other happy, like I'm an adult now and I can masturbate whenever I want to celebratory. Like this is fun jerking off session. That's like more like when I was a teenager feeling and I'm like punishing myself through my penis and I'm like, uh, 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 sorry that we had to play that audio, (laughs) but I felt like, I felt like. (laughs) 
I felt like uh, better than doing an impersonation, we should uh, just. And I happened to record myself while I do it, so I, we just had oh, it on hand. So God, I did. <laughs> Anyway, so I do think that I still have plenty of, uh, like, un. I, I would like to become a more healthy masturbator, is what I'm trying to say. And I would like to uh, fight those urges to be mean to myself. Uh, but I'm too weak. And it's, I've, I've got, uh, like, 20 years of habit of, like, this is what I do when I'm upset. Yeah. Would you say it makes you more upset or just keeps you in the same level of upset? It probably takes me further into it. I th- I don't think that's necessarily like a huge deep spiral. I feel like we're pretty close to the same levels, but it's absolutely not making anything better when I'm upset. I think there like there are these times when uh like I can think of times where I'm like anxiously getting ready to go to a show and I have to get out the door and I need to pick and you know how I get with decisions and if I'm anxious right. they all they all pile up and I'm like I can't figure out what to wear and I don't know this and I can't even think about my joke list and when I come then it is like this huge release and afterwards I have uh, my anxiety levels are way down and I make decisions a lot better. And I'm and I'm just like in a better mood because I just came and like and I'm feel you know like that feels like an instance where it actually helps like solve something, um, but there the the times when it's just like I'm gonna lay in bed all Saturday morning and just do this uh, four times in a row. I don't think um, I don't know. I think it just depends. The motive behind it is what matters. If I was, because hypothetically, I could think like, oh, I've got Saturday morning all to myself. I got nothing to do. Maybe I'll just lie in bed and masturbate a bunch. That could be fun. I could think. I could. I think I've probably had mornings like that that are fun. But uh, I think if I'm in a bad mood, I should probably. I should probably just go outside. Yeah. And go exercise or something. Yeah, I would probably feel much better about myself afterwards. But instead. I just uh, uh, don't make the sound again. I won't make the sound yeah. again. <laughs> you guys can remember, I bet. <laughs> I'm sure they're rewinding back. <laughs> um, I think I've definitely done it in a compulsive manner. And I guess that's probably when I was sad. I was married before I even learned how to jack off. Yeah, well, you were also a child when you yeah, were married. Yeah, touche. Um, I think I is was... Is it hard just, to for girls to learn? Is it not as intuitive for guys? I think it's it different is, it probably guys, I mean? now. I think it's more celebrated. Like, it's uh, every, everyone's open about it. It used to be something that everyone was ashamed of. Women never... Like, girls never talked about it. And so there was a lot of shame, as far as I remember, around it. So I didn't know how... I didn't know how any of that worked. And uh, I, my, first husband, my first husband uh, just put something that vibrated, put a back massager up against it. And I just came immediately and then was like, what the fuck? Because we were just like, teen- you know, teenagers like, well, what happens if I shove this in there? <laughs> a shoe. Oh, there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. No, it was very cute. It was. It, when I, I put my sketchers <laughs> in your snatch. <laughs> and what if it's a light up sketcher? 
He said that's how he discovered jerking off because he was also raised in an oppressive religious household. And he like jokingly stuck like he had a brother who was similar in age and like whatever they were like, like chasing each other with his back massager or whatever, like the old like Hitachi's back in the day. And uh, and then he got it got put there somehow. Isn't Hitachi like a like a digital animal that you kept alive? No, that is a. uh... (laughs) What What? is that? No, that is a. um, God damn it. Tamagotchi. 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 Hitachi is the big. Looks like a big microphone, like gray and white. Anyway. They're, they're and he back just put it accidentally put it against his own dick. Accidentally putting it against his own dick or something. And I feel like he just didn't want to say that he saw a porn where a girl uh, used a vibrator or something. That's possible, but you're talking about he's older than me. So this porn wasn't easy to come by uh, when your parents are Christian. Yeah. So. Okay. Anyway, he realized it made his dick feel good and then he discovered jerking off. And so at some point we're uh, fucking around somewhere and he puts this up uh, against me. And then I was like, well, I need one of these. So we went out and bought one and I got so addicted that I remember him just like trying to sleep at night. And I just was all night long. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, Jessa, please, I need to sleep. And you can sleep when I'm dead. I'll sleep when I come. <laughs> For the 40th time. And it feels so gross. It feels so gross after you come too many times. The massager like does. Do- <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. <laughs> no, yeah, you can't. You, it does feel gross. It feels gross. And I feel like that leads to an unproductive day pretty easily so same thing if i've got too much energy too much anxious energy i'm doing the thing where i need to get one thing done and i'm trying to do 30 things i can do it once and then streamline things a little bit better but if i do it more than once i i've ruined my day because now all i will do is jerk off more and do the thing where you eat something salty and then eat something sweet and then eat something salty and then eat something sweet. Have you ever got caught in that spiral? After I masturbate? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I never see you do the salty thing too hard, but if I eat something sweet, if I'm eating junk food, Uh if I eat something sweet within 45 minutes, I just feel like I need something that's like salty or savory. So then I will eat some junk food that is salty or savory and then I need something sweet again. And before mm. you know it, you're in this gross junk food, which also makes me feel shitty. So now the mm. odds of me leaving the house are getting slimmer. And then I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything anyway. Until so I might as well jerk off of, again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And okay. then it ends up ruining your day. But I never connected it to feeling bad. I think I have a really hard time identifying depression in myself. Mm. There have been times recently where I just want to sleep all day. And I'm like, is this, dep- is this depression? Is this... I know seasonally I'm affected. I know if it's cloudy outside, I don't want to get out of my pajamas. I don't want to get out of my bed. And during those times, I think I'm more likely to want to spend my day Mm -hmm. doing that. But I've just never connected it to sadness. And I don't think I feel... I do do feel shame, I think, in the grossness. And I do wonder why I have... Like, I have a very hard time... I want to have sexual relationships with more than one person, but I have a very hard time pulling the trigger on that. 
And I wonder if I just wasn't so quick to jerk off, would it be uh, easier? But jerking off is so much safer. It's jerking off, like, if, now this is a different aspect of it. Um, honestly, there's a lot of, I mean, like, we've we've detailed on the podcast my uh, challenges in coming. Right. And the truth is, I um, don't, I don't want to come with uh people that's scarier it's like to be open and like to you know it's just like i it's so much easier to just jerk off at home i can i can get that sensation on my own without like my mind runs so fast on so many topics at once and that also includes having sex and the, when i'm having sex with another person there's a lot of thoughts and insecurities that come up in those thoughts and just worried things and blah, blah, blah. And then those all keep me from coming. Whereas if I'm home by myself and I don't have to worry about like uh, another person doing something that turns me off or worry about them thinking that I'm weird in some way or worried if they're thinking that I'm that as attractive or like, you know, like all these different, like all those thoughts are out of my mind. And I can just uh, focus on whatever dumb porn uh, I'm watching, and just be alone, and 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 come by myself. Feels uh, great and safe. So uh, yeah, we are. I think <laughs> sure is that is that textbook fear of intimacy. Uh, yeah, well, I've read the book. <laughs> it for sure is. But like I feel good and safe there so definitely i i i know what you mean like i'm okay with you i'm Same. okay with you but i this whole last year of trying to it was happening before you and i i was already uh a year into trying to have sex with someone besides jason and it has been disaster like all of my attempts have been have not worked out very well they've just kind of confirmed my fears but there is that there's all that that dialogue in my head that stops me from even getting to the point where I do it and then I do finally do it once and the person you know yeah does things that I said not to do and which is you know kind of hard to do with me but um I've had other situations where I've tried to come close and it just, it, it ends up feeling like not safe. It ends up feeling like, uh, and that feels shameful to me. I don't walk away from these situations where men don't respect my wishes. I don't walk away from those situations feeling like bad men. I walk away from those situations feeling like, why did I get myself into that situation? Why didn't I stand up for myself in that situation? Why didn't I see this coming? You know what I mean? So no pun intended. <laughs> Um, uh, but I wonder how much my willingness to just handle it myself and, uh, wait till I run into you again, uh, affects that for sure. I talk like there's certain guys who have advised me or just men in general, just like conversations I've been a part of, maybe not necessarily directed at me, but like they say, don't jerk off so much. Don't jerk off. Uh, and, uh, the, that it's bad 
then I also know other guys that jerk off like more than me and they're super sexually active as well. Shane Smith, uh, (laughs) he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Shane, my friend Shane Smith, he does a podcast called Freaky Geeks. And, uh, dude, all, all Shane ever has ever talked to me about is how many times he comes. He t- and he's like, I masturbate multiple times a day and still have sex with multiple. <laughs> he's, he, uh, is, he's doing a lot of it. So, I, so then I always looked to him and was like, all right, well, if Shane is doing that much, then it's not a problem if I keep masturbating this much. But I am lately... Uh, maybe I just like got way like to know that I could go three days without was so big. And I'm like, maybe it's time to curtail this habit. Some, I want to be a complete whole and healthy person. And, uh, the more I get away from Mormonism, the more things I see that still today in my current life are still dictated by what I learned in Mormonism, you know? Right. And it's just, it's the process of, of, of reclaiming my identity is a very, very long one. It's just so many little things about myself where I have to strip that back to and go, okay, why do I do this? Is it because I was taught this thing that I no longer believe in? Right. And so I think, uh, I think that I probably like to masturbate. I think that I probably like it and that it's good and that I will probably, I think I'm probably a very sexual, I think I am a sexual person. Right. And that I'm always going to be uh, someone that is sexual. But I do think that I gained a lot of uh, habits and hardwired a lot of things into my sexuality while I was a kid in in a church that was being shamed for all these things. Right. And I think I've got a lot of bad cycles still that I'm still I'm still displaying those exact same cycles. So like I haven't gotten better in that respect. Just because I left the religion doesn't mean that like now I'm better. Like I think that there's uh, a lot of things that I have to do to be better. I think also I see the the pendulum kind of finding equilibrium for you in a lot of areas where you were finally free to do things. And so you went and did all of those things so that you could form your own opinions about what makes sense and doesn't make sense for you. I've noticed you with weed and other things being like, yeah, now I'm going to try not doing it for a little bit. Our listeners may be shocked to hear that I uh, am using weed a lot less. I'm like trying, I'm like, okay, I think I was maybe doing it too much. Yeah. And it's time to cut it back. So I think that's a very normal, because you were restricted from something, I think it's normal for I you indulged. to jump in with both feet for a little bit and then and then find your own balance. One of the things that we talked about when you were on day three, I think, is that I will take long stretches from like an energetic standpoint, masturbating, is just kind of dumping energy, which makes sense for why it would relieve anxiety because I think sometimes anxiety is just a static amount of energy that you just kind of need to uh, release somehow and exercise would work good for that, uh, jerking off, something like that, and kind of recalibrate. But I have found it very effective to not release any chi 
for long stretches of time when I'm trying to manifest something very is that lofty. What girl cum is called. <laughs> <laughs> Cheat all over my sheets. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that, you've told me that, and I'm like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, that sounds good, but, uh... I love it when I get a good stretch of that going, it's hard to get it off the ground, like, it's hard to get... Get the first day under your belt? Get, get like, the first week or whatever, because it's so Oh habitual. my god, you can go weeks? Oh, months. Without masturbating? Yeah, if I get if I get a good streak, if I have something. What? I think I did a pretty good stretch before this is not happening. I think I was having a lot of sex at that point, but which is different. That's an energy exchange. So you're kind of swapping energy with someone else. It's different than than just spilling your energetic seed on the okay. floor. <laughs> not to quote the Bible. I mean, I went my mission. I masturbated once in a two-year mission. So I made about a year and a year. Uh, but like that's, I'm, I've, uh, so I guess, I mean, I should give myself some credit, Yeah. but weeks, months, Jesus. And then you just, you become, for me, I become more charismatic. I become more magnetic because I just have all of that energy floating around. I don't really know the hmm. exact science behind it, but I have more energy. I can focus the energy better. When I get into a habit of, of of releasing it every single day, it's like unmanageable the next day. But after a while, you get good at harnessing it and focusing it into other places. So I have tried a couple times recently when we had big things coming up to be like, oh, I'm going to do that and then was not successful. So <laughs> uh, like I said, it's hard to get that first week. Once I get a week, I'm fine. Dun -dun. That's the Netflix sound. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think we're going to call that a wrap on this episode. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, it was kind of a, a lot. It was kind of a lot, but I wanted to... I, we So often we try to like... We have such a hard time coming up with... What are we going to talk about? Because we want to pick one episode that we have a Today, lot to Today on Mormon and the Meth Head, we open your mail and <laughs> then jerk off onto it. <laughs> if you put a Mormon and a Meth It's a good show!